0: Welcome to episode 43 of the Two on Three podcast, where two of your friends take on three topics in 30 minutes. I'm Ty, and you can find me utilizing the miracles of technology on Twitter at SEATJK. And with me, as always, is Chris. Where do you post your biohacks, Chris? Um, Let's see, I post my biohacks at Twitter. I'm just
1: kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At CD, at CD Villasenor on Twitter. Rollicking start. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The only biohack that I try to figure out is how much cheesecake I can eat in one sitting without, you know, dying.
0: Yeah. No. uh, No genetic manipulation for you, huh?
1: No, I'm doing it the old fashioned way. I just eat the food they give me. (laughs) Who's they? You <laughs> the, know, the people. wife, <laughs> the people, the people give me. That's, a, that's, that's how the
0: president answered that question the other right. night.
1: Who's they? The, you know, people. The people. <laughs> the, whatever people leave on, their, leave on the table when they leave the restaurant,
0: that's the, that's the food I eat. Yeah, well, you, you eat like a, teenage, a teenager drinks at a wedding. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, tonight we're taking a page from the 13 books of Paul, uh, Paul Allen, that is, as we explore the convergence of business, sports, and technology. Also joining us tonight is another Chris because I only know people named Chris and or Matt. Um, Chris is a Vulcan Corporation insider who's going to spill all the sweet Paul Allen tea. Chris, do you have a corner of the internet where uh, we can find you?
2: Uh, yeah, you can find me at CSRetalic on Twitter.
0: Nice. Is it worth it?
2: Uh, Only occasionally
0: (laughs) I like it, well welcome to the show Chris, thanks for joining us Um, Hopefully our listeners can keep you two of you straight Obviously you don't sound anything alike, but you are both named Chris
1: That's true, I think people will be able to work it out We have very savvy listeners
0: They are, they're the smartest listeners Terrific, they're terrific people They are, they have the best words, (laughs) geniuses (laughs) Alright, we'll interact with the show on Twitter at 2on3pod And you know how much we love to hear from you So getting right to it, uh, we're going to chop it up three ways tonight in segment one. We're going to talk about the business of baseball, a little bit about the NLCS. Uh, Segment two, we'll talk about if technology can help sports or if it's actively hurting us right now. And finally, we'll talk a little bit about the complex legacy of Paul Allen, his impact on the city of Seattle. In the overtime, we'll um, explore the concept of smuggling pigs and other food travel adventures. So gentlemen, let's get right to it. Um, I wanted to talk about the NLCS a little bit, mostly because it's finally capturing my attention. And also mostly because uh, Manny Machado is a dirty player. So the other night, um, I sent over some clips to you, Chris. I saw, you know, he he slid hard into Orlando RCA twice, one time sliding well inside the base with his arms out, like hitting him in the midsection with his arms, which is something I can honestly say I've never seen before. And then uh, and then last night, he as he's running through uh, a play at first, he very clearly, like, drags his foot behind him in order to kick Jesus Aguilar, the, the Milwaukee Brewers' first baseman, right in the, just right in the side of the ankle. First of all, never kick Jesus. This is one <laughs> of I think that's
1: like a, you shouldn't kick Jesus. That is a typical, that's just, that's just basic, first of all.
0: I agree. So have you guys watched any of the NLCS? Is this something that's even on your radar? Because I know that baseball... The reason, the other reason I brought it to the the for the show was that the Dodgers already can't sell out the home game, which I think is, what, tonight, right? It's
1: today. The uh, First of all, baseball season doesn't start for me until the actual playoff starts. <laughs> so I'm actually in the throes of baseball. This is my big run uh, through the sport. And, yeah, the... Uh, and baseball did something weird. I th- this is where... They decide, we want the East Coast people to watch the Dodgers game. Because if you have a 7 o'clock start in right. L.A., it's just too late for the East Coasters. But do we care? I mean, do we care that they get to watch the Dodger game? This is this is, was a, a very curious decision for me because we're going to F the hometown team by starting
0: at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday. <laughs> I can't imagine how pissed I'd be if I was if it was the Mariners, but it's never going to be the Mariners. But if
1: I was if I was a season ticket holder and I'm and Kershaw's throwing and it just it's just a crazy decision for me. I mean, this is where they baseball just has a complete disregard for the home team, which happens to be Los Angeles, which I just don't get at all. It's it's nuts.
0: Well, we know that L.A. doesn't bring a lot to the table as a sports town. The attention is too divided.
2: Yeah, I mean what's what's to me is odd is that it's a two o'clock start, right? Started at one o'clock like you would a normal game or maybe like five o'clock when people can actually get to the game.
1: Yeah, but they were trying to capture that that East Coast primetime market and if you're a LA if you know, if you're a working LA person who has season tickets and they said, Well, you're gonna have to take the entire day off work, essentially, to to catch this game I would be I'd be hacked off. Because this is not I mean, again, you're from a baseball perspective, you're you're living your life for these games, right? Especially if you're the Dodgers who are a World Series or bust kind of team. I mean we I'd be you know, in in Seattle if this happened, we'd all be thrilled. We'd take the day off. <laughs> it would be <laughs> <laughs> No one would care. <laughs> but but in LA you know, they're sort of expecting to be able to go to all these games, and they didn't even do the Brewers hardly any favors. I mean, the, you know, Milwaukee's on central time, I and mean, this game started at 4 o'clock in the afternoon for Milwaukee, 2 o'clock for, <laughs> for, for the Dodgers. They, they basically sacrificed both of these hometown fans. They, they, they sacrificed the Milwaukee Brewer fans and the, the Dodger fans just so East Coast people could watch this game.
0: So what, are they trying to appeal it to appeal to the Brooklyn Dodger fan base? Is that what we're going with here? Yeah, I don't
1: know what they're doing. I think they're maybe they're trying to gin up some, you know, interest in Boston versus LA should Boston versus LA happen. But can't they just wait to see if it happens before they try to get East Coasters engaged
0: in Dodgers baseball? I'm mostly shocked by the fact that I mean, I agree with you that for the most part, yeah, keep track on the of the Mariners during the season, watch the games when we're in contention and less so when we're not. Um, And, but I I always used to sort of come around for the playoffs. And at this point it's like, I'm not watching any of these games. And that and I know that, you know, it's a diversity of attention thing. We've talked about it many times on the show, but baseball has really taken a backseat backseat, even for folks like me who grew up playing it, who truly felt like I had a love for the game at one point would have called it my favorite sport for probably 20 years um, who still enjoys the game. But, There's just nothing interesting about the broadcast. And I, you know, had suggested in the past, I've seen some creative camera angles, you know, obviously MLB MLB is interested in trying some new things. Um, One of the things I've advocated for is, is getting rid of umpires calling balls and strikes and just, you know, umpires can still call the rest of the game, just not balls and strikes specifically.
1: Yeah. That's definitely a next segment kind of thing. But the, uh, but, but when, uh, but when you're thinking about baseball in general, plus they've tucked these games, into the farthest reaches of cable. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I have no and, idea what channel the baseball's on. TBS, TB? No, not T. Oh, TBS. Yes, TBS and FS1. I it's 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 one of those deals where uh, the only uh, <laughs> the only reason I can tell you know how you have the the voice remote these days. I always just say MLB baseball or MLB <laughs> playoffs, so it just takes me to one or the other. Sure. And I can I never I can only tell you know what. When I when I land on something if I see like the pre or post game people it's like oh yeah TBS they have the shitty crew <laughs> <laughs> terrible awful crew and then FS1 they've got a rod so well you know.
0: ESPN and yeah I, I did accidentally try to pull us into the second segment so I'll return back to it but, you know one of the things I was thinking about with regard to this though is that there's a huge challenge where when your playoffs and you're your league championships and then your world series are going up against what becomes sort of the, the meat of the middle of the NFL season. Cause the NFL season is just short enough that there's not really any doldrums of it. It actually sort of the doldrums happen in the first few weeks where we come, you know, people playing sloppy off the preseason. And then it takes a few weeks for the, the quality of play to pick up. And now we're kind of in the, the heat of it where if you're, you know, if you're, to if you're a few games under 500, you're starting to be in real trouble. Um, this is where the you know the, the bread gets made when it comes to making the playoffs. And I was thinking that what we really need to do is just readjust the sports calendar f- for the fan. Like let's, let's see. This goes back to the, the themes we've talked about before, where it's like stop orienting thing around uh, things around money and rather optimize them for entertainment purposes and quality. I'd like basketball not to start period until like December. Like I can't believe the NBA's hap is starting today. Along cool. with now we've got playoff baseball and midseason football, it's just it's too much. And then there's and the soccer season's underway as well.
2: Yeah, it's it's far too many going on. But it's even college football, right? College football is now getting into the meat of its schedule after the first two three weeks of like the first week is good, and then the next two three weeks are playing out of conference garbage teams for the most part. Now we're into conference play, and there's actually good games happening.
1: Yeah, that the the whole scheduling thing. I mean, you should. First of all, Sunday is just NFL day. So, the you know, MLB playoffs during this month work as weekday things. <laughs> Sorry. You should have maybe a Saturday game, but definitely no Sunday game. And then just take up the week. Just take up the weekdays, and you'd be fine. You're right. I think that that basketball starting before, like, they should
0: start November 1st. I mean, really... No I don't pay attention to the games. NBA at all until Christmas. Like Christmas Day is, in my opinion, is the opening day, and then I'll look look at the standings and see where we're at.
1: Right. I mean, that's the that's even that's even early for me. <laughs> I, I'm not showing up to the I'm not showing up to the NBA for anything more than ESPN highlights until about May.
0: Well, I got to put <laughs> something on the TV to get away from my family. And there's no NFL on Christmas. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but the uh, but. Yeah, you're right. I think that uh, that it gets it gets mean, pretty crowded here in terms of you know what you're going to pick and choose. Um, the the basketballs and a, a, a no br- is not even on my radar. Um, Sunday is for football. I mean, the Thursday night game is sort of a uh, have have actually been pretty good. I don't know. I mean, football decided to beef up those, which I think is interesting. I'm not really sure what we get out of it though.
0: It's. I guess it's nice to have sports on when, you know, during football season there's not a lot else going on for the most part. I mean, obviously we just talked about how there's so many things going on, but on like a, a night-to-night basis, right? Like regular season baseball is over, so you're not going to have baseball every night. Um, the only reason I like Thursday night football is just because it's something I don't have to make any decisions about what I'm putting on the TV. It's like I can just pop that on. Yeah. Um, and and to muddy for- the
1: water even more, the PGAs in – Korea, so they're on in prime time here on the West Coast too. so I've been watching primetime golf and baseball, and you know and then tomorrow it'll be golf, the football game, a baseball game, and a basketball game. So it's going to be pretty uh, you know I'm going wear out the, I'm going to wear out the, the jump button pretty hard tomorrow, for
0: sure. Do you think at some point we're going to run out? of enthusiasm for these things. Do you think this is an endless well? Cuz it seems like every time there's a, a legitimate dip in popularity for the sports, there's some sort of an innovation that rallies everything back. I
1: you know, I don't know. I think that um well, I think all the baseball fans are just going to die <laughs> in the next 12 years. <laughs> the average age of, you know, the of baseball fans is like Male in his white male in his. I mean, this is obviously a pretty broad brush, but you know, if they when they break it down to you, they say it's basically men in their late fifties is the is the is the bulk of the baseball viewing viewing public. I know there's I know there there are pockets. I think things get exciting for certain city you know for cities as their as their teams advance. But for the in terms of the the I have season tickets and I'm going to attend fifty plus games a year. Mm-hmm. I mean those. Those are all those are all old those are all old people.
2: Yeah, if you have season tickets to a baseball, that's 82 games. You basically have to be retired for that to be worth it. <laughs> right, yeah. you can't make 82 home games no, without being saying. retired and have a full-time job or family or whatever, right?
0: Yeah. That's what's crazy to me about the expensive seats at the ballpark, too. Can you how do you have 82 games where like the tickets are 150 bucks a pop? Like, if you have the Diamond Club seats, isn't that what they, aren't the face value like $125 per ticket?
1: Yeah. That's 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 beyond my ability to to understand. I just don't get it. But, I mean, you know, in terms of our big sports in this country, baseball's probably, yeah, baseball's going to be interesting. We'll see how it goes in the next 10 or 15 years. Sure. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens to it.
0: Well, that'll serve as a nice segue into our second topic. because so I want to talk about how technology can help with this problem. So I started to pull us there earlier, uh, kind of forgetting the order of the show tonight. But uh, <laughs> obviously we talked about robot balls and strikes, but, uh, you know, a, a few weeks ago I had posted on Twitter a, a camera angle from behind the catcher that... Um, you know, it's like it reminds me of the video game camera angle with the replay, where like you see your, your player hit like a big bomb out of the stadium. And, and I started having thoughts about so the other thing to tie that together. Uh, the, I don't know if you guys saw the, like the stat cast they did in like the first round of the playoffs, where there was like a second channel on ESPN. On ESPN 2, there was like a more stats heavy broadcast. Um, first of all, it was better because it wasn't A Rod talking, um, it was people who like were talking about how the the way that this person had performed during the season impacted his team's performance in a more specific way. Um, I've seen some stuff like during the regular season, they would show the shifts and like percentages spread out with like a heat, like heat map for percent hitting percentages for the batter. Um, I think overlays and sort of augmented reality for baseball is a really good idea. What I would love to see even is like these, you know, additional, camera angles or something where where you're showing me multiple screens at once like show me the behind the batter camera and then give me like a, a an up close on the pitch movement like i want a little insert you know like like almost like pro tracer for golf where you know show me the pitch arc and where it hits the strike zone and then i'd also like to see that on the replay i'd love to see like pro tracer on the the exit or the, the like on the hits so you actually see velocity and things like that i i think you've got to make it almost more video game like because Otherwise, I don't think you can capture the attention span or the, atten- the attention and the attention span of today's sports fan.
1: Yeah, the I think what you know you're seeing with with baseball. First of all, it lends itself more than any other sport to the to the the numbers. Right? It's a big data. It's a big data kind of sport. Everything's about percentages and whatnot. I think the thing you can't cure with technology with baseball is the time it takes. Between action, right? Yeah. The the thing about football is, you know, if you go to the actual football game, and you sit in the stadium, you notice very quickly that there's a shit ton of dead air, mm-hmm. right? That you know defenses are getting set, people are huddling, there's all this stuff. But the but the sport lends itself to five different replays and talking about the play before. So when they cut back to the action, they snap it. So you so as the home viewer, you don't really see you don't really see it, right? You don't right. really notice that there's a ton of dead air in football.
0: Yeah, a ground yeah. out to second is not something you need to see yeah. six times. Or, or a ball, you know, or a strike on the outside corner. The ball
1: comes back to the pitcher. The pitcher wanders around a little bit. The pitcher gets set again, and then there's just there's just nothing to do, other than you know, you know, listen to the great Vin Scully back in the day talk right. about then- <laughs> spin a a thirteen minute yarn <laughs> about <laughs> about you know what happened in nineteen sixty four. You right. know, in a in a day game versus, you know, the Orioles.
2: Yeah, I'd much rather look at some stats about spray chart of where he's hitting the ball to left or right field and percentage of hits that are fly balls on the screen than listen to Vin Scully talk about the odd sixes. Yeah,
1: I mean that's the that's but that's the challenge of baseball. Like that's why baseball works so great on the radio before they had Because all it was, I think it's
0: better now on the radio.
1: It just—it's just the dude talking, and you know, they intersperse the action, but it's really just this big long conversation about baseball. And if you're into baseball, it's
0: cool. Well, and the sound effects lend themselves to radio for baseball too, because you don't really need to. The guy's like, "All right, and here's the pitch," and then you either hear a crack or the thump, right? So you sort of know what happened. Either the pitch was, you know, and then he tells you, "Okay, it's a ball. He didn't swing, or you know, swing and a miss." Uh, the crack tells you there's going to be action. So there's like some unspoken narration that he doesn't have to do as, as the broadcaster to get you engaged because you're familiar with the sounds of the game. Yeah. Um, and I think those are so that's, that's what's so interesting about that. The, the aesthetic of baseball. And that's why I think as a TV sport, it just, it doesn't work nearly as well because it, you're not as connected to it in that way. And I, you know, as Chris was saying, I think that (laughs) as Chris, either one of you guys are saying it's, uh, uh, it is both of you are saying it's a stats driven sport. And that is, I think where the most passionate fan base still exists, the people that enjoy the breakdown. And so why not cater to the niche and stop trying to make it broad? I I understand. I guess my point is that instead of trying to continue to use the same formula to make it broadly appealing, why not just try catering to the niche and see if you actually even lose any, any viewers? Because I think that you can safely educate the fan without being too intimidating if you bring them along in the broadcast,
1: and we've got so much more screen real estate these days, exactly. I mean, everybody's yeah, yeah. got, everyone's got widescreen TVs, large TVs. You can do, you can do things now that you couldn't do before.
0: And there's but, room on the baseball screen with just when you're looking at the batter and the pitcher to add things. Do you, yeah. either of you follow uh, the Pitching Ninja on Twitter? Mm-mm. So the Pitching Ninja, this guy named Rob Friedman, he does like constant replays of. Um, he's got tons of gifs on his site. He does tons of overlay, which is really cool. And that's going back to what you were saying about. You know, a, a, a strike hitting the outside corner. Show me in, on the replay. Show me that fastball and then show me, like, the changeup from the two batters before and overlay those two replays so I can see the difference and show me the deception. Because I think, um, you know, you, unless you're a really educated baseball fan, you watch it. Unless you're familiar with the pitcher's repertoire and or the and or the announcer is, you know, I mean, our announcers up here on TV are, are pretty bad and are not the greatest at pitch identification either. Like <laughs> they will be like wrong. Like Dave Sims will be like, Oh, that's a slider. I'm like, that's 100% not a slider, Dave. I don't know what you're looking at. It's not how that works. Um, but that is as a, as a, as a casual fan, it can be very difficult to discern from the TV. And I think yeah. that that's where you really could make some hay with getting people to understand what they're watching. Cause I, I don't think most fans when they're watching a pitcher pitch really even know what they're looking at other than velocity and sort of placement. Roots, root sports is objectively terrible.
2: <laughs> it, you know what I'd also like to see is, you know how in college football uh, playoffs, they have the mega cast where they put all the coaches in the room and they talk about coaching strategy like, oh, we should run here and, you know, the cornerbacks got outside leverage, the uh, deep pass works and all that type of stuff. Get some, get some former pitchers and managers in a room to talk about that. Do the same thing. Get him to talk about what he's trying to do here is he's gonna work him in because he knows he's got a hole in his swing, cause he's got long arms, blah, blah, blah. Give some give some scouting reports. Get some scouts in there.
1: I think I think I think the simulcast approach would work. I'd love that. I'd love for XM you know, Sirius XM to have three choices of, of simulcast that I could either listen to while I watch the game and not have to listen to the to the to the TV announcers. I know that baseball wouldn't want to undercut their product like that but that'd be, that'd be that'd be that'd be really cool i'd love to see that
2: right tell me how i'm supposed to pitch to mike trout do right. i pitch him in do i pitch him up do i pitch him down do i just walk him tell me
1: yeah yeah and if you and if you have somebody if you have essentially groups of podcasters simulcasting the game that i get to choose right if as a as a viewer i get to choose and uh, yeah i think that i think I mean that would be a huge innovation in terms of in terms of. Uh, but then then why are we paying all this money to you know Joe Buck or whatever? I mean that's the other that's the other part of it.
2: Well, I I, I don't see why we're paying him that money to begin with.
1: I love Joe Buck. That was a trick question. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I've, I've hooked you in. But uh, back to the technology piece, there were there there are easy things. I mean, I think computerized balls and strikes seems like a no brainer to me. I mean, even when we were kids, right? We'd just set up that, you know, folding chair. And if you could yeah. throw the ball in the folding chair, it's a strike. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, why do we have to, why do I have to deal with, with umpires who have a different strike zone every night? It's just, it just, it's goony. And the other thing was, you know, as far as foul balls go, why, why is there not a camera on the, on the foul pole? Right.
0: Why, why do we have to have this discussion all the time? It's like, is that fair or foul? Well, we had a is replay it... incident today in the ALCS with the fan interference call. Yeah. Um, and it's not fan interference because he's reaching into the crowd. Now, no. it's unfortunately for that fan. Uh, he was in the stands during defense for the home team, and <laughs> you have to get the fuck out of the way. That's the rule, and you shouldn't be at the playoff baseball game if you don't know that. Um, well, I mean, it's, there's a lot of there's a
1: lot of things that happen in that moment, and you as a fan you may not know to clear out. I mean, you're yeah. you excited. Sure. I mean, it's a home run. I'm going to catch this home run. Oh,
0: Except God. that it happens in the playoffs like every year, so you well, should because, learn.
1: <laughs> because again, people are excited, and you're probably right. A lot of people who don't go to baseball games get go to playoff baseball games and just don't. They don't know how to act. They just freak out.
0: Yeah, but once they Institute replay in the MLB, they should have added like, especially in the playoffs, there should be another 40 camera angles that don't that, that don't really get used by the TV broadcast, but are shown for replay but relying on tv replays to to look at that and and then are, i don't who's making the call these days because i thought they were calling back to the to the uh to the office like the nfl does or or there's the a NCAA central does. there's a
1: all the all the replays get done out of a central then why office.
0: were people so mad at joe west today who he called that fan interference uh, an out and it should have been a home run Hmm. Uh, well
1: the well the replay official didn't overturn him that was the that was the thing right that was just the that was just the it was the ruling that people this is the hard part about it you know it's yeah if you're gonna have replay presumably it's to get things right yeah (laughs) but let's can we jump into it we can we go long here sure I just think that you know if we're talking about computerized balls and strikes I think there's you know some sports that I think get it right like soccer gets it right soccer the only thing they review in soccer is the goal you know what I mean? Does the ball cross the line? And right. they have technology for that, and that technology gets it right all the time.
2: I don't know about that. They do the v, the <laughs> VAR replay. Yeah. and
1: Is the VAR ever wrong? I've never seen the VAR be wrong.
2: Well, it's a ref's interpretation, right? So, like, Clint Dempsey got burned by that a bunch of times now then at the Institute, because he used to do it all the time and not get caught, and now he did get caught with just, like, hitting dudes in the nuts and... You know, stuff after the play, he got a bunch of red cards earlier this year, specifically because they had video replay that he would have gotten away with a couple of years ago, and did get away with a couple of years ago.
1: <laughs> but that's a but. So, so they so so MLS has pushed their they've pushed their 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 replay further, right?
2: Yeah. So the referee can go and review a play. There's no central decision making authority, but they'll he'll go and look at the video replay and then come back and make a decision
1: see i think that's bs I, you know I, I like the fact that we keep it simple i like computerized balls and strikes i like i like i liked it when soccer was just is the ball across the line and that's what the the watch tells the ref right the the, the you know it buzzes and says hey that ball crossed the line it's a goal it's like okay goal <laughs> they just sort of move on with it
2: yes yeah. The last thing I would add to this is, uh, I was talking with Ty when we went to the football game the other day, the football goalposts, yeah. light them up when it's a game, when it's a, the field goal is good, right? Yeah. Just put a string of LEDs along it so that everybody in the stadium can tell that the field yeah. goal was good, because I can't tell when I'm looking from the side whether it was between the uprights or wide.
1: Like a little goal light like they do in hockey, like a little yeah, siren yeah. on the thing, Just yeah. like it it just goes off when it's good. Yeah. That's that's pretty simple.
0: <laughs> I actually want the goalposts themselves to be like, they they actually turn on, like they light up, like the outside of the edge of the the backboard in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And I need to correct myself because of course I mixed it up already when I was introducing the the, the replay call they got wrong today. It was a ball hit by the Astros, and it's at, they're playing in Houston, mm. and because there was fair interference called, it was not a home run. So. Right. Anyway, he still has to get out of the way. <laughs> you still you still have to clear out. Yeah. All
1: right, tennis needs to get rid of the um, they already have a system that 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 calls the balls in, right? Yeah. Especially especially at Grand Slam events, like I'm sure they don't have this thing at every rinky-dink event or maybe they do. But if they'd have it at every event in tennis, they should just get rid of those lines people. Well then, because uh, wh- what's the point of the replay? Doesn't the, I mean if the computer knows if it's in or out, why should he
0: have to? Ask, why should a player have to ask? But then, who would call shithead code violations? <laughs> well, the,
1: <laughs> you still have a regular referee to like referee the match, but
0: all those line people they they're, they're, they can go away. I actually think that tennis is the thing that makes me most frustrated with the replay systems for other sports because tennis. I don't understand how that eagle eye thing works. I mean, it clearly can't be that complicated, but. Like why don't we have that kind of thing for the spot of the football, for instance? Like, can you give me a can you? That's a know. little bit. That's a, so. That's that's a point. I think. I think the only or, or foul balls
1: in baseball, maybe. The, the only thing in the only thing for me in in football that they should they should have technology applied to is does the tip of the football cross the goal the break the plane of the goal? Yeah, and that's it. That's the that way the, the the when there's a play at the goal line the linesman can just look at where the where the where the runner or the is is determine whether they're down and then they would get the buzz on their wrist and they would know okay now I'm paying attention to whether the runner's down here's the buzz of the thing he's not down that's a touchdown I don't have to worry about it yeah. I don't have to worry about where the ball is it yeah it'd be great like, to get
0: to a world where there was like sensors for your for your the down parts of your body i always had this dream of like all nfl turf being like or even college football i guess being like somehow fiber optic turf itself so <laughs> like it, it the images are projected on the field so there's like a like if the ball like when you go down like there's a spot where your knee is and then the, wherever the ball was wherever your knee hits like it immediately lights up on the field that just is the spot it's not i want to get rid right. of this human subjectivity it's what not the,
1: helping. What, what was the what was the what was the video game <laughs> what was <laughs> the football video game where they actually had the little the little uh, first down measuring thing and it would fuck you all the time <laughs> and you're like why is the video game measuring why Lots is the video game me-? Tecmo it goes back to Tecmo Ball I, man. I, I, was, I would get so angry I'm like the computer knows where my dude is down you gotta measure this and then it comes out in the measurement and then you're short and yeah. you're just like why is this video game telling me I'm short for the first down <laughs> stupid
0: the video games have always had a hard time with getting things right, like the wild tipped interceptions and stuff that go on that are sure. only things that happen in Madden. Sure. But all that's right.
1: why I'm that's why I'm for I'm for the, you know, the stuff that you can absolutely measure. Those are the things you should apply technology to. And the rest of it, just let the just let the officials handle it. All right. I mean, they're not going to get everything right, but at least it's not it wouldn't be nearly as frustrating as having to deal with instant replay all the time.
0: Yeah, I agree, especially if you're going to get it wrong, <laughs> especially if you're going to have it's replay
1: and you're going to mess it up anyway. All
0: right. So moving into our, uh, our third segment, I want to talk a little bit about a well now a late great Seattleite and Paul Allen. Paul, uh, obviously, along with Bill Gates, founded Microsoft and and uh, Vulcan Corporation and, and and many other local ventures, including Starwave. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. That's what I think my favorite Paul Allen story is that he licensed ESPN, the name ESPN to do the first internet sports site. And if you look at like the mock-ups, he's got like fantasy sports on there in like 1995. And I was like, I, you know, I used to do fantasy sports in 95 from a newspaper. I would, I, if, if there had been fantasy sports in 95, Paul could have made money right off my back. But, uh, he ended up selling the, the company back to ESPN and that became ESPN.com. Um, he obviously had a lot of impact, uh, in in the local scene, do you do you have your favorite? Do you, do you have a favorite Paul Allen story? Now, now Chris, Chris and I. Well, I I worked there as well. I worked at Vulcan uh, in
1: 2008, so it's been a it's been a decade for me. Um, but uh, but seeing seeing it up close, I mean it's 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 a complex thing. Like being one of the richest people in America and having having things, and dealing with <laughs> things, is, uh, I think is it's a lot more complicated than, than a lot of people think. What, what do you think, Chris?
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, he had so many things going on, the breadth of the organization is unmatched, at least in my experience, or anything that I've seen. He, I mean, he's doing, or did, at various times, everything from the elephant census where they literally took a plane, flew it over Africa and counted the elephants. Because they are not even figure out how to save them. They have to count how many there are. Two, launch. He's launching satellites. And everything in between. He's got the Mopop, the, you know, popular culture, it used to be called EMP. I mean, he's got all kinds of things. He's got production company. He's won Emmys. Like, the breadth of the organization is very very large.
1: And I think that's what people I think that's what people miss about about Paul Allen is the fact that he was interested in so many different things and he had he had a lot of love for technology and art and music and travel and philanthropy and sports <laughs> and you know he's just one guy. I mean really there's only 24 hours in a day and you're just and you're just one person and you're trying to and you're trying to really, you know, scratch these itches, or you know, really are interested in things, and you and you have the resources, and and I think that I think that um, you know when you've got that much that much money, I think that I think it's I think it's cool to be able to I thought I always I always appreciated his approach to it in that um, he just wasn't sort of drilling down on one thing. He he just he had a lot of interest and and it showed and. And I think that's the hard part. I think that's the hard part of, uh, of it as well, is that when you were interested in so many things, um, you know, maybe, maybe some things could have been better if, had you devoted more attention or more resources to them. But that's, but that's a hard, it's a hard thing to do. It's a, it's a hard thing to say because I, I, I've always felt, you know, very, si- I have a very similar mindset. If somebody drop $20 billion into my lap tomorrow, it would be hard for me to sort of focus on one certain thing when, when the whole world's just been opened up to you in terms of, you know, I can, do, I can do anything, go anywhere, you know, experience what I want.
2: Yeah, I think that's one of the unique things about him is, is I mean, what other billionaires do you know or know of, not that you're friends with any, but um, that have that kind of breadth of interest, right? Bill Gates does one thing now. Yeah. He does his foundation and he does it very well.
1: Sure. Sure. But yeah, but you but you're right. It's I think that's I think I think what would you know, again, if I'm if I'm yeah, I experienced this from the relative cheap seats. <laughs> so it's easy for me to say, but I think there's there's a certain amount of money to where where legacy starts to play a, play a, more of a role than perhaps you might want it to. Like, if, if I had, tw- you know, if I had created Microsoft and I had $20 billion, it would, you know, you'd like to think, oh, I could just do whatever I wanted, you know, and it would be fine and no one would care. But all of a sudden, once you reach a certain point of, you know, notoriety and and wealth, then legacy starts to play this huge, this huge, you know, this huge role in in the choices you make. That I, I you know, I think you'd have to, you'd say, well, since I have this money, I'd like Something to exist that was, you know, long after I'm gone. Like you know, that something, something that bore my name, or something that, you know, you'd want, you'd want something, and I and I think that, that um, that would be probably the most difficult part of having that kind of that kind of money. I mean, everyone will sort of remember. I mean, they're the Seattle Seahawks, are the tra- you know, they're the Trailblazers. There are lots of things, but you know, what what is it? What is it going to carry my, you know, what's going to carry my name? I mean, some of the, like Carnegie had, (coughs) you know, the university, right? Or there are certain things that sort of move, move past, like, you know, a hundred years later, like what's, you know, what's left of, 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 of that, of that, of that fortune of that, um, of your, you know, what's your, what's your impact a hundred years from now? And I think that's, that's a conversation that I think that you can only have when you're when you've got that kind of, when you've got that kind of cash.
2: Yeah, I mean well he's made clear that his his legacy that he wants not necessarily the legacy he's going to have obviously um, is the institutes. So he's got the Allen Institute for Brain Science, the mm-hmm. Institute for Cell Science, and the Institute for Artificial Intelligence. And they have a whole brand new building down in South Lake Union and that's what his intention for his legacy is. Now, obviously, he's got a lot of other things going on in this town. Seahawks, in particular, Blazers, that are going to augment that by his choice or not, whether he mm-hmm. wants them to or not. But um, you know, we we're talking about what things to leave behind. The institutes, I think, are what are the ones that are going to stand out for many years. Is one of the yeah. That's the intent
1: and i hope so and i hope and i hope that uh the investments he's made and the people that he's put in place in those like i hope they they crack something amazing and you know some really some really forward thinking and you know some real innovations come out of there and you're right that no one gets to decide what their legacy is <laughs> i mean your legacy gets decided you know it's out of your hands essentially once you're once you've passed uh once you've passed on it's 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 uh it's um it's really not up to you at that point, but but I know that sort of the far left leaning people in this town weren't even you know, didn't even wait till the you know, the very next day before they started taking cracks at <laughs> at the man who who who's who's, you know, done a lot of things for Seattle and, and Well, uh, I got a
0: couple of cracks to take. <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, as the owner of most of the land in South Lake Union, he's almost in, almost directly responsible for that place now being completely impassable for a regular Seattleite. You cannot go down there, like Amazon is just taking over. And it's just a, it's a nightmare, and that's all that well, was all Vulcan well, property. Well, he wanted to, he wanted to build a park. <laughs> I know, I know, but he didn't I have mean, to do the other thing. <laughs> well, when the city of Seattle said of you can't build a park that's why I'm being well then he just said
1: well he just said he just said well then we'll just make it a commercial development because apparently everyone's okay with this
0: yeah and then there and then the city's reaction also just to to tear up Mercer rebuild it and do absolutely nothing to make it better
1: (laughs) oh I avoid I avoid that I avoid South Lake Union like oh absolutely yeah but you know the criticisms that that he received from a certain city council person yeah we're just we're just way off hold on I'm not done
0: taking shots you
1: do not think. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> I think his ownership of the Blazers probably cost us the Sonics. And come on, Paul, you couldn't have leaned a little harder on Bill to help us out there. Can we, <laughs> you must know some other billionaires that could have stepped in and helped us out. You could have told Howard to like not do this. I, I know no. Paul could have leaned on these guys. No, come on, come on, <laughs> billionaires! Billionaires don't listen to other billionaires. He did save the Seahawks from moving to California, though. I mean, that was like a done deal. I remember that at the time. Like, they were gone. I remember sort of mentally divorcing myself from the team and then the next year having him back again. And it was just sort of a, it was great. It was a shock to the system, but, uh, um, I didn't realize that he had been fighting the lymphoma for so long, like that he had originally been diagnosed with it, like back in 1983, like he'd been like literally 35 years. Is that, I don't know if you guys know whether or not that's why he never like, like had a family because from such a young age, he was obviously fighting a serious disease.
2: Well, that's why he left Microsoft. Right. Was he got sick, and then there was also some internal things with Steve Ballmer and some various things. It's all in his book. He's got a book out called Idea Man, which his biography uh, yes. he wrote several years ago. So
1: it's all well documented.
2: Yeah, if you want to, if you want to catch up on that, that's a pretty easy read. It's not, it's not a real heavy tome. <laughs>
0: yeah, I thought it was interesting too to learn that he um, had wanted to be an astronaut when he was a kid, and that sort of uh, that pers- you know kind of fueled all his his success because when he found out that he had he was nearsighted um, he learned that you know that was going to shut down his obviously his space aspirations you can't really be a pilot unless you have perfect vision especially back in the 70s 60s and 70s so to transition just immediately to the hardware that was making space travel possible and the computing power and you know sort of just the, the obvious I've never really thought about it before, but then the obvious conclusion that Microsoft really just means microprocessor software because they got hired to you know put DOS on IBM machines when IBM finally came out with a microprocessor that could make a personal computer a possibility. Um, just an interesting through line. Uh, but I do have one question. Did you guys work both work for Vulcan? It, was the dental insurance okay? Oh man, that
1: is that is that's, a, that's, a, that's terrible. That's a that's a terrible shot.
0: Uh, I would have said him he was alive too. How can you be a billionaire and have those teeth, man? What's happening? <laughs> all
2: right, and that was a personal choice. <laughs> yes, maybe my he, dental insurance is just fine.
0: All right, maybe he was scared. I don't know. Maybe he had fear of the dentist. I don't, I don't know. Something's going on though. <laughs> Wasn't a priority. Obviously not. All right. Well, heading into the overtime, uh, we're going to talk about maybe something that might give you bad teeth. As a, uh, I don't know, Chris, you posted the story. I saw briefly um, that that a canine unit had found an entire like, you know, pit roasted pig in someone's luggage. <laughs> it's Like a roasted
1: pig head. So in Atlanta, a uh, a drug sniffing dog <laughs> found a roasted pig head in a suitcase. <laughs> and the picture of it's great cuz it's it's lovingly wrapped in foil obviously they pulled it apart but it made me laugh because it's like 10 to 1 that's like filipino people traveling with this big <laughs> and i laughed because when we used to go on vacation this is so funny the you know we we didn't have we didn't it wasn't a problem like money wasn't a problem for my family you know it was, dad's doctor and whatnot, but when we would travel, we would drive places, and my mom would make food, like dinners, that we would just travel with, and then we would stop. Like, kids are always like, Well, I want to go to a restaurant. And my mom'd be like, Oh, no, 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 we've got food. So we'd pull over to a restaurant, and my mom would have a complete rice cooker that was already cooked and <laughs> full of things. She'd have, you know, like, dinner, and you would generally just eat it cold. And it was. Just this funny thing that Filipinos did. and every Filipino family that I know did the exact same thing. So when I saw this 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 so when I saw this roasted pig head in somebody's suitcase, I am like, ah oh, damn, that's Filipinos <laughs> And you you know that the mom's got a full rice cooker, like in her carry on bag. They were gonna eat that thing. <laughs> they they were gonna get to wherever they were gonna go and they were gonna crack that thing open and have dinner, like at the airport in the baggage claim. <laughs>
2: How do you eat a pig head? Well, there's all kinds of good meat on the pig head. You just on gnaw on the head. ear in the snout?
1: No, there's all kinds of good like around the cheeks and the yeah, there's all kinds of it's, it. There's there's lots of good eating on the pig head. You know that's is, this is what happens when people get divorced from their food, right? You know you you know you see bacon, it comes in nice stripes and stuff like that. Like when you go to a Filipino roundup, there's like a whole roasted pig floating around, so. We're getting at the head. You gotta get, You know those are things. A lot of people will bypass the head, not me. I'm that usually cheek.
0: I'm usually working the. I'm usually working that lower jawline pretty uh, hard. That's the thing so about good. this photo. So a couple of things. One, like the whole snout with the teeth. It's it's pretty horrifying. Um, and then the dog though. The dog's like at an at a 45 degree angle with like this big like open mouth smile dog smile so happy oh I you better i hope he got some of this pig as a reward for fighting it he, he looks very excited to, it's to,
1: not like it's is it illegal i don't know I, I didn't read the whole thing but obviously the they don't want you transporting roasted pig
0: heads through their luggage i don't know apparently it came from ecuador uh, traveling with a family from ecuador a traveler from ecuador I shouldn't say a family. <laughs> i don't think about it Uh um, I don't know. Yes. Man, apparently on the way out in Ecuador, they're not really looking at th- what's
2: in the bag. <laughs> right. So it violated quarantine, not security. Correct. Yeah.
0: But it is yeah. wrapped in foil. So, like, you'd think that, you know, the extra, the bag scanning machine on the way out <laughs> would have been like, what's this giant foil ball in your suitcase?
1: Again, Ecuador, Ecuador's, Ecuador's. Uh, they're just like, they just want to get those people out. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, we, we need to get this flight out on time, dude. This is like, we're not worried about this at all.
2: Yeah, this four ball's fine because you're leaving, not because you're coming in.
1: Totally reminds me of a story of this uh, this guy I met in Portland. He uh, he's from Serbia, and his uh, his his uh, his folks had flew for his dad flew for Emirates, and uh, they were living in Dubai. So he tells his story about how his grandma comes from Serbia to visit them. Well, they were t- apparently. As they were talking, grandma decided, oh, I, they don't have good pork in Abu Dhabi or in Dubai because Muslims don't eat pork. So she decided she would go to the butcher ahead of time and buy a whole suckling pig so that she could roast it for his family when she got there. So she bought one and she put it in her luggage and she brought it to Dubai. Dubai. So as she's coming through customs, obviously it goes through the scanner and the person in Dubai says, the hell, what (laughs) is in this woman's bag? You know, is it a dog? Is it a cat? What the hell's going on? And so of course you get this scene where this guy's dad has to come down to the airport because he's picking her up anyway. He has to go into customs. You know, the grandma doesn't speak any other language but serbian and it's this whole this whole hullabaloo going on in the airport so uh that scene sort of reminded me of that i was like it's so funny it's just
0: you know people like i just again no one's concerned about the animal carcass and the outgoing flight no i just
1: i just love the thought process is like you know what we you know what we should bring with us we should roast. We should get a whole roasted pig head because you know you can't get one of those in America. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just, let's just
0: roast it ahead of time, and we'll bring it with. It'll be fine. Hey, as someone with dietary concerns, I travel with food generally, but it's generally, you know, like stuff that keeps like trail-type <laughs> food, jerky, trail mix, kind bars, these things.
1: You could maybe roast some pork and maybe cut it up and put it in a container. I think to I am gonna do that
0: for now. I'm going to start just bringing huge bags of roast meat.
1: i'm gonna bring a bucket of fried chicken onto my next onto my next flight and just watch people lose their mind
0: well before we wrap up tonight i wanted to ask you while we're on the food topic too about uh this thing you posted about pringles is it pringles flavored ramen i wasn't sure at first it was ramen flavored pringles or what was going on it looks like maybe on the image there's like Pieces of the chips broken up in the ramen. It's very strange. <laughs> this is the re- this is the reason Japan is awesome because they don't they decided
1: they just decide we'll just we'll just we'll have a partnership here. The ramen people talked to the Pringles people and said, "Hey, we'd like our ramen to taste like Pringles," which is pretty awesome. Sure. <laughs> in America, we can get ramen flavored Pringles, but in Japan, you can get Pringle flavored ramen, which is you know everybody loves like those I love those Pringles sour cream and whatever, onion. I win that. And that would make and that makes that would make for great ramen if you asked me.
2: I sure. Mean, the uh the the,
1: the the combinations are endless.
2: So are they different flavored Pringles ramen, so you can get like barbecue Pringles ramen and sour cream and onion Pringles ramen?
0: I
1: think there's a whole line of Pringles flavored ramen that you can get in
0: Japan. There's sour cream and onion. There's jalapeno and onion. Um, I mean, I expect anything from Japan though. Because is it Japan where you get the horse flesh ice cream, horse flesh flavored ice cream? (laughs) Ask my mom. Ask my mom. Ask my wife
1: about eating horse flesh and raw chicken.
0: I mean, it's an island of it. It's there's not a lot of Japanese. It's not like a (laughs) a large island for to be like, oh, we really got to get that horse ice cream. I mean, holy shit.
1: Well, they just eat the meat. This is the problem. Is this? You would eat whatever meat was available to you. I mean, sure. We have all these puritanical thoughts about like what meat we won't eat, but really, it's just meat. You would eat a horse. It probably tastes fine.
0: Yeah, if you like steak, don't watch that video, those cows who come running when that little girl plays music outside their field.
1: <laughs> I wish a steak would come running to me if I played music outside. <laughs> that the Pied awesome. Piper of ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but here's the real... the. The real magic in Japan is their Kit Kat selections.
0: Oh, yeah, They
1: have dozens upon dozens of different flavors of Kit Kat. And when my wife and daughter went to Japan a year and a half ago, um, they brought back these sake-flavored Kit Kats that were the best Kit Kats I've ever eaten in my whole t- entire life. They were so stinking good. And if there's a whole... Like I said, the store there's endless amounts of of Kit Kat flavors in Japan that that all that they're all that you can imagine. They're a, they're a hotbed of Kit Kat innovation, and I don't know why we can't get them in America. All people want here is a damn chocolate Kit Kat. We need all the other kinds.
2: We can get them sometimes. Like the Iwajimaya is across the street from my offices, and uh, they'll get the green tea and some of the other ones in sometimes that we'll go and get and bring back and. Yeah, those are good. I don't know we if it's should... got the full selection that you get in Japan, but you get you get you get a few different flavors.
1: We need to open the door. We need to op- We need to. We need to relax all tariffs on Kit Kat flavors so we can get them all. Get them all here. We need Kit Kat
0: flavored pocky.
2: Well, maybe we can export some candy corn to keep the trade deficit fine. <laughs> I like it. We don't need that crap. I know. <laughs>
0: I'd, I'm going
1: to come to the defense of candy corn before Halloween here. So maybe next week I will ride to the defense
0: of candy corn. Really? I'm just going to sit here and tell you how disgusting it is. Well, you might be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, anything else to touch on before we wrap it up for the evening? Nothing, for me. Thanks, Chris, for coming along for the ride tonight. Yeah, thanks for joining us.
2: Yeah, I appreciate the invite.
0: All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to the two on three podcast. Um, you know where to find us. You know where to hit us up. And, oh, uh, join the NFL Picks group if you haven't. I, I haven't seen too many people pop up on there. We'd love to uh, have you try to pick against NFL team or pick NFL games against us. Not against the spread, just to straight up pick them. So uh, I published the link. I'll do it again. Please join us out there. Um,
1: yeah, come get torched by Ty. Because <laughs> that's what happened last
0: week. That's, well, you know, you invited me. To, you started the group, and I was like, all right, well, if this is what you want to have happen. <laughs> <laughs> No new reviews, too, after I begged everybody to do it last week. But, you know, I appreciate you at least listening to me ask. I did get some glib, uh, some glib pushback from Matt from the Reasons or Several podcast because years ago when I was first listening to their show, he asked for reviews. And so I went out there and I gave him four out of five stars. And he was like, thanks a lot. And I was like, hey, man, I got to keep it real. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't perfect. <laughs> He's going to give us a two now. That's, uh, well, You know, he already reviewed the show, so I'm not worried about him. <laughs> He'll go make a new email address just to do that. All right, well, thanks again, everybody, for listening to on 3 Podcast. We appreciate your downloads, clicks, and interactions on the internet each and every week. We'll be back next week with more shenanigans, and until then, peace! (laughs)